0: What's going on? Ryan Kohler here, CEO of Applicant Pro and Hiring Guru. Uh, Today's podcast for uh, the sellers and sales reps of our partners, resellers, and our direct uh, reps on how to position um, and really understand growth hacking when it comes to hiring. It's just super important to be able to talk consistently about how this works. I'm including um, if you go to the blog area where you see this podcast, you will see um, some graphics to, to be able to follow along as we're going today. So so as I described, and, and if you know anything about me, I'm a growth hacker, and if you don't know what that means, you should go and look it up. Do some Googling on the word growth hacker. Growth hackers are kind of like David uh, versus Goliath when it comes to business growth, especially startup growth. Growth hackers are people who find a way to compete against the entrenched big dogs who have money, who have brand recognition, and all that kind of stuff. And we generally do it by using our creativity, by using our speed, and to be honest, just by using our audacity to try something new and different. And we, we compete against, if you think about this as kind of a... Oh gosh, there's a podcast I follow and and it's kind of an old Chinese proverb and it fits into stoicism really well that that every blessing is a curse and every curse is a blessing. And what that means is that every person that you look at who says this person or this individual or this business has this this, uh, competitive advantage, this advantage they have in the marketplace Every advantage inside of it has a potential downside and the reverse is true if you look at yourself and you say we're small. Well, if you're small, you're agile. If you're small, you, you can change faster. If you're small, you have less red tape. And so even every curse of being small, unfunded, all those kind of things, they have blessings that come along with them, right? You have nothing to lose. You don't know any better. Being naive and not having experience can also be a a blessing um, when you look at it. Your your obstacles and challenges are also the way. And that's that's really what hackers, growth hackers look at, right? Is growth hackers say, okay, a big giant company that's entrenched, that that has brand recognition and money. Well, most likely they're lazy. They're slow to move. They have red tape. They have giant organizations. They, they don't have passion. They don't have drive. They're not going to, to burn the place down. They have too much to lose. And you can see this in like the innovator, innovation dilemmas, books, and those types of things. And so that's really where growth hackers play. And so if you go look at the graphics that I've included in this, you'll see this concept of a pirate funnel. Um, And I can include links where you can go and read more about growth hacking. But a pirate funnel is kind of the, the marketing and sales and retention and customer success funnels combined together. Instead of just thinking about marketing like it's a funnel, a growth hacker combines everything together. They start from the top Of awareness, and they drive all the way down through acquisition, activation, retention, revenue, and then referrals. And then, in theory, it would come back up to the top because a referral now becomes a lead. And this is just the way kind of a holistic approach that growth hackers use. When they think about how to drive the revenue of their company, right, and so they take it's it's a pirate funnel because the the acronym is R, right, and so if you look at the initial one, you'll see kind of the description of what each of these are. And a lot of people take this pirate funnel and make adjustments to it based on their their own. Um, individual uh, niche or their own individual offering they're selling, whether it's software or service, whatever. Um, and so you can make some adjustments to the funnel. Even you know, for us as we're marketing and selling our product, we have a few adjustments that we make to to just adjust it a little to fit better into what we do um, to drive our company. If you go to the next slide down though, where it talks about bottleneck, it talks about you know you you can actually see that they plug in the data and then they compute conversion rates. As you move from each stage of the process. And the theory here is that while a lot of people look at dropping more inputs in the top of the funnel, that would be making more people aware of what you do. Um, A lot of times, where you can make the most impact is to actually go and find what's called the bottleneck. And it's basically the point or the conversion, the step. Um, change in the process where you have the lowest conversion rate. And the theory is that wherever you have the lowest conversion rate, it means that you have the highest potential for for impact or gains if you solve that step, that transition from one step to the next. In the example I'm showing, it's the difference between revenue and retention. And if you're saying, hey, we only have 10% of our, our people who buy that actually stick around, well, that's a problem. And you're never going to be able to outsell retention. Uh, a, a, in the software world, we call it churn. You're never going to be out, be able to outsell when, when 90% of your clients are leaving you. And so instead of focusing, if this was my, my funnel and this was my bottleneck, instead of focusing on sales, I would go and focus on retention. I'd go figure out what's wrong with our product or offering or whatever the case may be, that's driving people away and I'd go solve that first because that way I could then go back and and what will happen is as you solve one of these bottlenecks or you improve it, then pretty soon there'll just be another bottleneck. Every success will lead or expose a new choke point or a new failure that you'll go focus on and this will be a never-ending process. Now, you're going to say to yourself, what does this have to do with hiring? Well, one of the biggest differences for me in the way I view hiring and the way we build our software is that I view hiring um, especially for for my clients, as as just a problem that can be solved through growth hacking. If you say, hey, we don't get enough applicants, and in fact, if you go the next one down, you'll see what I call the attraction funnel. And it's basically just the pirate funnel when it comes to attracting qualified applicants for jobs. And, and there's, there's basically five kind of main steps in it. Sourcing reach, how many people visit the sources where your jobs show up, job ad views, how many of the people on those sources, whether it's job boards or whatever, actually view your job ad, apply starts, how many people actually start applying for a job, completed applications, how many people actually finish applying, and then finally qualified applicants, how many applicants are actually qualified. And, and if I was running this funnel or tracking it, I would look at it overall, but I'd also look at it by job, by department, by location, you know, whatever the case may be, however I want to segment it down. And the the more segment I get, the more, uh, the easier it will be to make changes. I would actually want to look at this at the very granular level would be job and location, right? I would want to look at this for teller jobs in Salt Lake City, Utah, because that funnel, when I remove all those things out of it, it will become very clear where my bottleneck is and what I can do to adjust it. And so if you look at the second slide, it actually takes... And it displays some actual numbers. Now, these are numbers for funnels. These are kind of industry averages. If you think about how many people actually land on Indeed on any given day in your local area, it's probably actually the the top one is probably wrong. There's probably way more than 10,000 people who land there versus 1,000 people viewing your individual ad, right? It just depends on how you define that solution reach. Is that the total number of job seekers in your area or is that the total number of job seekers who are looking for sales jobs? And if we define solution reach that way, right, we can see kind of 10,000 people salespeople looking for jobs in Salt Lake might result in a thousand people actually looking at your job ad. And then you drop down the, from there and say out of a thousand, maybe a hundred will start applying. That number, that 10% number is pretty standard. If you go read up on it, you know, it's going to fluctuate depending on the job and the location and the job board and all those kind of things. But that's pretty standard that, that less than 10% of all the people who actually Uh, Look at your job, actually start applying. And then you go to the next one. Of the people who start applying, what percentage actually complete? And then the last one is the completion to qualified. And that one is a little bit touchy, mainly because it's subjective. The client is setting the the qualification criteria. Um, And so that last step is up to the client to set versus the job seekers. And as long as they're consistent, then they, you can track that. But you're not going to try to improve the completion rate. You're going to try to improve the total number because improving the completion rate the way you would do it would be lowering your standards. And that might not be what you want to do. Now, the main point here to start off with is that most employers, most HR people think that the way that you solve a lack of qualified applicants for your job is that there's only really two options. Option number one is you raise your pay, which almost no employers want to do. And option number two um, is that you actually take um, and and get more job boards to post on. And so they just focus on dumping uh, more people in the top of the funnel. That might work, except that if you have a giant leaky funnel right if your conversion rates are really really bad um, number one you're going to waste a lot of money and a lot of effort trying to dump more people in the top of the funnel and not have them come out the bottom number two is that if you're trying to actually improve things um, you might actually have an easier time and find more more results um, by focusing on the the leaky funnel right uh, the, the spots in here, the bottlenecks, the areas where your conversion rate is off. You might actually be able to improve things. And, and especially for a client who's going to spend money on job boards. And again, when you're out selling, one of the questions I love to ask is, what is your recruiting budget right now? What job boards do you post to and how much money do you spend on them? Now, I'm not going to suggest that they cancel their Indeed account and quit spending money on Indeed. But what I am going to suggest is that if they're spending money on Indeed, that if we take and look at this funnel, we can actually improve some of these numbers and they'll get more applicants and more qualified applicants for their dollars spent. They will that We have the ability to maximize the results. And really, at the end of the day, the number one core metric um, that the clients are looking for um is how many qualified applicants do they get per job or for the individual job they're looking at because all these numbers all the rest of them don't matter what the I mean they do matter but the core focus the primary metric is qualified applicants per job per month how many people did we get to apply for this job who are actually qualified for it. The rest of these numbers are inputs, they're part of the funnel, and they're the ones that we focus on, they're kind of leading indicators, that drive the lagging indicator of qualified applicants. Now, why am I talking so much about this? Well, let's start off with what does Applicant Pro do, or what does the ATS system do? The number one thing to remember right off the bat is that most applicant tracking system providers don't actually think about it this way, And don't think that even if they track it, they actually don't believe they can change it. And most employers don't think they can change it. And so the ATS systems aren't trying to solve this problem or aren't trying to maximize these numbers. Because their clients don't ask them to and don't pay them to. The clients view them as tracking systems, not as maximization or optimization systems, not as sourcing systems. And so they don't go ask them these questions. They don't demand that they solve these problems. In fact you know up until the last decade nobody even looked at it and and even right now there's tons of applicant tracking systems where you couldn't even track this funnel you know you would be able to see completed applicants and qualified applicants but most applicant tracking systems unless you stall Google unless you install Google analytics on there and unless you go build your own funnels and your own you know reporting really don't provide a lot of data that happens pre-apply pre-completed application And the reason why they don't do that is because they don't know how to explain to the client that the system isn't broken. Or or to be honest, maybe their system is broken. They basically, why would they expose this data to a client who didn't ask for it? Because there's a good chance it's just going to create a bunch of questions that the client's going to ask, and the the ATS system is going to have to have some honest conversations with these clients. But for us, we're a little bit more mature than that. We actually understand these numbers. We understand how to talk to the clients about these problems, how to explain that they're never going to hit on percent, that's not going to be perfect, how to make sure they understand that they're they're trading off at times. They're making decisions that actually harm their conversion rate and harm these kind of things, maybe by posting a bad job, by By creating a hard application process with lots of friction in it, et cetera, et cetera. And so now, if you want to understand what we do and what we focus on, clearly, you know we want to maximize sourcing. and we maximize sourcing by having as many job boards as possible, but more importantly, having job boards and social media and sources that drive the most applicants in the top of the funnel. And hopefully, ones that we've done studies on, that are the most likely ones to drive qualified applicants in the top of the funnel. Um, we have another podcast coming up that talks about best sources of applicants and how that works. We don't believe that you should shut off any source. We should use all of the above. We should have a big giant mix of all sources, but we should focus on the funnel. So you could actually take this funnel and look at it not just by the job or location or but. By the department, but also look at it by source, and the most granular level would most likely be by source, by job, by by um, location, by date range. Meaning, just for a month. Meaning, show me the funnel for for applicants or or for data from Indeed for this bank teller job in Saint George, Utah, for the month of January. And you don't have to always get that granular, but the more sophisticated client is, the bigger the pain. The more sophisticated the answer needs to be. The more competitive the the uh, labor market is. The more competitors they have who are mature in how they approach hiring. The more sophisticated and the more granular they'll have to get, but I'll be honest, most clients don't even understand this funnel at the very highest level. So, step number one was clearly we want to dump as much as many applicants at the top of the funnel as possible. But step number two, and where we really differentiate, if you go to the very final slide, is that you know where it says we also increase conversion, is that we focus on increasing the conversion rate and so once you get tons of applicants once your job is on all the job boards and all the social media sites then from there we need to look at how do we maximize the conversion on those three key percentages on percentage of of job board uh, visitors who actually see your ad percentage of the people who see your ad who actually start applying and the percentage of people who apply start applying that actually finish those three core conversion rates are the growth hacker's approach to optimizing or maximizing the number of qualified applicants a client gets per job. And like I said, from a differentiation standpoint, almost nobody approaches it this way. You're starting to hear it a little more often. They might hear it call it recruitment marketing or something like that. We call it hiring optimization. Um, But To be honest, very, very, very few applicant tracking sales reps understand this. You'll see almost never um, people asking for this type of metrics data. Um, And so when you have somebody asking about reporting and, and they've already identified that their pain is we don't get enough qualified applicants, your job as a sales rep is to change the conversation from being just about tracking applicants to about sourcing qualified people. If you can change the sales conversation, um, then suddenly your competitors who only track applicants now have this major weakness. Because just think about this from a sales standpoint. If you were out comparing CRM systems and you could choose uh, somebody like Salesforce or you could choose you know, some other CRM um, that also did lead gen, right? And it was included. And if the price was the same... Or heaven forbid, even cheaper for the system that did lead generation. As a sales rep, you might actually, and as a sales manager, even a company, you might actually be willing to use um, an inferior CRM system if it also generated free leads that were qualified that you would sell to. Because at the end of the day, tracking is nice but leads are what turn into sales. Well, in the same thing from the recruiting process, tracking applicants is nice, but qualified applicant flow is what turns into actual hires that actually drive the business forward and, and drive the business results. And so we look at this and say, certainly we want to build an applicant tracking system that's robust and does tracking and screening and all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, the GASA drives the motor of talent acquisition isn't tracking, it's sourcing. We need to have qualified applicants flowing into the system. When we have qualified applicants, then we can suddenly sell assessments or background checks or screening, dialogue and video interviews and audio interviews and all those kind of things are pointless if you don't have a good flow of qualified applicants. And job boards are not the only source of applicants. And job boards don't always have an incentive to maximize the number of qualified applicants per dollar spent or poor visitor on their job board. And so this is kind of the growth hacker approach. All, all the stuff that we talk about, about how we improve this, and then clearly how we prove that we actually improve it, all comes down to understanding this concept that App qualified applicants is simply a funnel. And so we look at, say, screening applicants. There's actually an entire talent funnel that I have that I can show. But today I wanted to focus on specifically just one portion of how would a growth hacker focus on hiring um, and how would a growth hacker, they would actually break it down. I'll actually post the overall talent funnel, and you'll see that I've broken it in down, down into three or four different funnels where you can drill down and just pick that one individual funnel, such as this one that we're looking at on how to source qualified applicants. The next funnel might be the screening funnel, then the onboarding funnel or engagement funnel, and then the retention funnel. All of these are funnels when you think about it in the overall talent engine For a business and when you jump down, when you try to actually solve it, you need to break it down into a bite-sized chunk. This is the great first one to think about, especially for a sales rep. You're very well versed in how marketing turns into leads, turns into demos, turns into closes, etc., etc. Just imagine if you applied that same concept. Um, to hiring. The only difference, really, and there's a few differences, clearly, there's some nuances, but the main difference between sales and marketing versus hiring is that in the sales world, you want to maximize and and close as many sales as you can from the leads you're given, whereas in the hiring world, they actually might only want to hire one person, and so their funnel is actually restricting at the bottom, whereas in the sales funnel, you actually want to open it up to as high a percentage as possible now clearly we're here we're just looking at qualified applicants and so they want as many qualified applicants per job as they can get because then they can be more selective and and once you hit a certain amount you're going to have too many qualified applicants and then they're going to talk to us about screening questions and assessments and background checks and interviews and all those kind of things that we can then come along and sell to make their system more robust, to make it easier for them to find the best people and hire them, but none of it matters if you don't get qualified applicants for your jobs. This is by far, clearly, my favorite thing to talk about. It's my favorite thing to talk to clients about. It's my favorite thing, especially with prospects, to bring up. It is a clear and valid and vital differentiation piece. To be well-versed and, and be able to talk about driving qualified applicants, be able to get them to believe it's possible, to give them proof that says that we've done it in their industry and with their competitors or people like them, to help them feel confident that we have ways to do this, says that we're not just selling a tracking system. We're actually selling an applicant generation and, and what I would call an, uh, a hiring or applicant sourcing optimization platform, this ability to not just track people, but also to drive and put positive pressure on the top of the funnel, bringing more and more and more qualified applicants in that, that once you do that it becomes an asset that they can use to become a competitive advantage. I like to always bring that up. We're going to help you create an unfair competitive advantage against your competitors. And the reason we can do that isn't because it's some like closely guarded secret. It's honestly because most of their competitors simply won't do it. They follow each other. And so, and so since they're risk averse when it comes to HR, since from a business owner they just don't know any better, they keep copying failure. And so the entire crowd is going to copy each other except for the employers who have the audacity to try something different and approach hiring not as an HR person would, but as a growth hacker would. So That's today's podcast about understanding how does the funnel work and and once you understand this, you'll start to see as we dig into the product itself and as you're doing demos, you'll start to see the reason behind how we've designed our system, behind how we support our system, behind how we help our clients um, to get the best results. It all comes down to understanding and be able to talk about this funnel because this funnel right here that we're looking at is the key to driving qualified applicants into the top um, of the funnel for any of your clients, regardless of industry, regardless of size, regardless of location. It will always come down to this. This is the the concept and the approach for how you compete for talent in the world today and into the world for for the future of what's coming next. So Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or comments, please, please, please leave some comments on um, on this blog post. Um, if you have any questions, you're welcome to submit them either to me or to your uh, dedicated account rep um, or to your manager. If you're one of my employees, just submit your questions. Love to create more uh, content to answer questions that come up or or help you understand how to set the stage um, in the sales uh, process or in your demo to change and and be very different in the way that you talk to prospects about the hiring process, about their pains, and specifically about how we can solve their problems. So hope that this was valuable today. Um, Until next time, good luck selling.